now, a closer look. A sleepy morning, we're out in the boondocks. Stars being told on the red. Today's segment is titled, The Magic is in the Illusion, Abracadabra, the 45th President. Magic, if the music is groovy, it makes you feel happy like an old-time movie. I'll tell you about the magic and the free of soul, but it's like trying to tell a stranger about a rock and roll. Oh, if you believe in magic, don't bother to choose if it's junk and music or rhythm and blues, just go and listen. Like so many magic lovers, I've always been fascinated by well-performed magic tricks. Recently, I took my son to see the Ehrlich Brothers' new fascination magic show, and oh, what a show it is indeed. After the show, my son and I spent some time trying to understand how some of these wonderful appearing, disappearing, and reappearing tricks were brought about. In the days which followed this amazing show, and while I was sifting through the daily barrage of Trump news and Trump fake news, I began to think about the magic show which we had seen. Then it dawned on me that the magic resides within the illusion. magician's ability to create the illusion is the art of selective attention or the ability to redirect or manipulate your audience's attention. It's no real secret that when Donald Trump was announced as the 45th president, most Americans, along with the world at large, were, to put it simply, stunned. It was as if someone had executed the biggest, greatest, wildest, most incredible abracadabra ever. Now, every magician knows that the eyes and the mind can only focus on one thing at a time. The new president's favorite tool appears to be his masterful use of the 140 Twitter characters for grabbing the selective attention and redirecting the public's focus in his tweets.
certainly were most Americans taken by surprise, as what usually happens at a magic show. But many Europeans were astonished as well, and quite frankly, continue to be dumbfounded as to how this happened. So, in an effort to illuminate some clarity, I thought it might be helpful to hear from a couple Trump voters about their reasons as to why they voted for this person as president. Let's take a listen now from one such voter snuggled around the states of Kentucky, Arkansas, Mississippi, Alabama, and North Carolina. On the phone, I have a gentleman from Nashville, Tennessee. He works in the bodybuilding supplement field, and his name is Bill. Hello, Bill. Are you there? Yes, I am, Dan. Hello. Glad to be on the show. Are you registered to any political party? Yes, I'm a registered Republican. Would it be safe to say that perhaps you voted for Trump this election? Yes, I did vote for Trump, but not for normal reasons. The main reason is that the opponent, Hillary, I don't want her anywhere near D.C. again, period. <laughs> okay. I think that was pretty much achieved then. Yeah. Now that that's out of the picture, let's take a look at the current administration. Is this more or less what you had envisioned? Well, in some ways, yes. In some ways, no. Part of this has been ongoing, especially with the media. These jokers will want to blow anything and everything out of the water that they can to try to make themselves and the people they want to support look good. And everything else, they just want to discredit them as often, make them look bad, whether or not they lie, cheat, steal, or however they want to do it. It's been ongoing for at least 12 years, and I'm pretty much fed up with it. What are your feelings about clarity and truth? Do you think these are important characteristics for a president? Absolutely, especially the truth part. There seems to maybe be some problems with that in the current administration. Do you think that maybe some of this could have been avoided? Possibly some of it. I think you were going back to one. I don't remember the full details right off, but I think it was a general that had to pretty much resign. One that was talking to a Russian diplomat. The media blew this way out of proportion, saying that he was talking to him, trying to influence people to vote, which is just borderline ridiculous. Meanwhile, the people on the left, they did pretty much the exact same thing. They had dinners with Russian diplomats, Russian envoys, whatever they want to call themselves. They had dinners with them. They partied with them, hobnobbed with them. Could some of that have been avoided? Possibly, yes. Should this administration be a little more open? Yes, they should. But whenever they try, it's mainly the media that's trying to drive the wedge now. And these jokers are just unbelievable. Most of it, I've even stopped watching. Most of my news is now coming online. So so how do you feel personally if the president makes unsubstantiated claims and then those claims are proved to be unfounded? Do you think it's important for him to retract unproven statements or even to apologize? Well, if it's really damaging, yes, he should. But in that case, there have been others where he's portrayed a claim the media just tore him to shreds, and it turns out he was right. And I'm talking about Trump. He okay. was right on a few things already. There's some where he may be incorrect, but honestly, he's more right than wrong. And I'm going to give him more of the benefit of the doubt. 
What do you think are his three most important achievements in his first three months? Well, there's one that he's directly linked to regarding the building costs of Air Force One, the newer model of it, and he's already got that price cut down pretty substantial. He's got that down, so I'm going to give him props for that. He is also trying to re-strengthen the military, which I'm going to give him props for that because we've got to have a strong military. With everything going on in the world, draw a line in the sand and say enough is enough. I think he's also trying to get some jobs back in here. Remember, he has done it before he became president. A notable company called Carrier, who's an air conditioning company, he got those jobs back here and a few others from other major businesses and corporations. So I'm going to give him some props for doing that. He is trying. Granted, he's he's getting pretty beat up (laughs) on a variety of things, but at least he is trying. I know it's not a really rosy picture, but some of the nonsense that's been going on for the past 12 years, that's got to stop. And hopefully this president can do something about some of this. If nothing else, just tell these people enough is enough. And let's start acting like Americans for a change instead of all this political bickering and everything going on. I mean, this is part of the reason why Trump was even voted in. We wanted an outsider outside the Washington, D.C. game. Hopefully this country will get stronger again. I know his policies make America great again. Yes, we have slipped up on that in the past. You know, be strong. Have faith in us. We're going to try to do it right. Sounds good to me. Bill, we wish you and the other folks out there in Nashville, Tennessee, an absolutely wonderful day. Well, thank you very much for your time, Dan, and I appreciate it. I enjoyed um, sharing my thoughts with you. Let's travel southeasterly to listen to someone from the northern part of Florida and get his views to help further understand this mystery. On the phone, I have an American from Tallahassee, Florida, who's an attorney and also a real estate professional. Hello, Rolf. Are you there? Yeah, hello. Guten Tag, Dan. Ah, you can speak some German. Eltern in Deutschland geboren und sind hier eingewandert. 1969 Okay, you want to give a translation of that? Yes, my parents were both from Germany. My mother was actually an ethnic German from Slovakia, but my father was born in Mecklenburg and they emigrated to the US in 1959. I was a stowaway on board, so to speak, and I was born <laughs> the following year. Great. Do you have any party affiliation? How does that work for you? No, my voter registration has always been designated as no party affiliation. 
I'm one of those independent-minded Americans, I guess. Did you vote for Trump? I did vote for Donald Trump. That's true. Okay. How do you find how he and his administration is going so far? Is this what you had envisioned? Oh, yes, absolutely. My impression is if everybody in town doesn't like what you're doing, you must be the right person for the job. (laughs) Okay. So (laughs) would you share with us what your personal approval rating is? Well, I would have to make adjustment for the fact that he is not a politician. When he says something, it's much more unfiltered than what you will get from ordinary politicians. Make no mistake, I have very little use for them of any political persuasion, regardless of their party. It would be a positive thing that a person running for office has achieved a great deal of success outside of politics before entering it, because you can pretty much assume that that person is not interested in self-aggrandizement as much, because why would anybody need to do that when they've already achieved so much without entering into what is many people will recognize as a very dirty business? Unless he's motivated somehow because he's genuinely concerned for the course of the country, I would only have to assume that he has some sinister motives, and so far I haven't seen any indication of that. Do you become bothered at all when it appears that he makes unsubstantiated accusations about others? Well, I'd say that in that case, he's learning how to be a politician, <laughs> because that's often what I hear from, <laughs> from the professionals, so to speak. I hear a lot of unsubstantiated things. When he says something, it may be he genuinely believes it. And as I said, he's not a politician and he's not as careful to parse his statements so he can somehow talk his way out of it somewhere down the road. Of course, people change their mind, but I believe that he is the kind of person that's going to learn from his mistakes and not stubbornly insist on continuing down the same path without making any changes. What do you think his three most important achievements in his first three months are? I thought his address to Congress was in many ways very conciliatory, recognized many of the issues that are of concern to people across a broad spectrum of the country. And I believe a lot of people didn't expect him to talk like that. So any reservations people may have had from his inaugural address, I think in some cases were laid to rest a little bit. And that sort of dovetails into his other efforts to reach out to people across the spectrum and attempt to hear what their views are and why they may be different from his. I don't believe he could have been successful as he is up until now unless he listened to what other people would tell him and even tell him if he's wrong. And I would say another positive thing is his attempt to do something about the immigration issue, despite the fact that his first attempt was perhaps not timed and not rolled out the way it should have been. But again, those kind of things are missteps. That's just a human thing. It's a learning curve. But I believe that the attempt to do something about the negative aspects of immigration, I'm talking about illegal immigration. After all, I'm the son of immigrants. But to equate that with people that just come here to take advantage of this country, some of them, or to continue their criminal ways, That's an insult to my parents as far as I'm concerned. So I support what he's attempting to do, especially in light of all the terrorist incidents that we have experienced. The fact is you have to acknowledge that there is something wrong 
And if you do nothing, then you can expect that it's either going to be the same or get worse. So I consider that, despite the fact he has not succeeded completely, I consider that a positive thing that he has done. Do you have any personal predictions for this president? Well, <laughs> my crystal ball sometimes has a lot of haze over it. So <laughs> I may see something, but it might not be the total clarity that one wants. But I can only say from a historical perspective, if he does succeed, if we have a turnaround in our standing in the world and that our foreign policy once again becomes somewhat coherent, there's a good chance that he will be reelected. Right now, I think the Democrats are in far more disarray than most people can understand. That really depends on which media outlets that you get your news from, I guess. Thank you very kindly for making the time to speak to us and our listeners, and we wish you a wonderful day. It's an honor and a pleasure, Dan, and greetings to everybody. Grüße in Mecklenburg und in Schwaben. Ich bedanke mich. Thanks, Ralph. Yeah, my pleasure. Ciao. It appears that the motivation from our first voter, Bill, was primarily to keep the Democratic candidate from winning. Perhaps his online news sources forgot to mention the real reason General Flynn got in trouble. It was not because he met with the Russians, but because his briefings were not fully truthful because they failed to mention his secret meetings with the Russian ambassador. Only afterwards was it reported that he spoke to the Russians about sanctions which just isn't allowed. Whereas the latter interview provided by Ralph was that he wanted to give this unseasoned politician a chance at what could be called the number one political job on planet Earth, a job which could greatly benefit from the brightest political science minds the country has to offer. Here's what perplexes me that most major universities in the U.S. offer a specific curriculum of study for both undergraduate and graduate degrees in political science. There is a reason why this discipline of study exists. In fact, U.S. News & World Report recently published the Best Graduate Schools for Political Science, which ranks around 100 such universities with Harvard and Stanford universities competing for the number one slot. Princeton rests securely at number three. University of California at Berkeley, University of Michigan at Ann Arbor, and Yale University are all tied for number four. Now, to start with, the above-mentioned six universities compete to attract the brightest minds this country has to offer, with the hopes that they enroll into their political science program of study. And this they do, year after year. Could there just be a good reason for this?
Sometimes it gets easier to understand things we can't comprehend when we get another's perspective. Let's give a listen to someone who has spent his life listening to, illuminating, and providing perspectives. On the phone, I have Professor Dr. Bob Bender, an American counselor who has both taught and chaired programs in universities both in the U.S. and here in Europe and has maintained a private practice throughout his career. Dr. Bob, are you on the phone? I am, and I'm very happy and appreciative for the opportunity to speak with you, Dan. As you're aware, this program is talking about some (laughs) sensitive issues, and I'd like to get your perspective on some things here. Okay. Recently, psychological professionals, many of whom are from highly respected universities throughout the U.S., who have stated that the new president is a narcissist. What is a narcissist? Okay. Officially, the sort of Bible for diagnostic categories, we use either the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual 4 or the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual 5. DSM-4, DSM-5. And Google knows that well. We have the luxury now where everything is sort of available. The specific category is called narcissistic personality disorder. And I can quote if you want. The essential feature of narcissistic personality disorder is a pervasive pattern of grandiosity, need for admiration, and lack of empathy that begins by early adulthood and is present in a variety of contexts. Lots of people look up that category and they see various kinds of behaviors in people they know. Some of those people they don't know personally, but they know on the national stage. And in this instance, we're talking about the President of the United States. They see that there's a lot of his behavior that very closely matches the pattern of that category. So in all fairness, I'd have to say that there's some sense at least to be made in saying that this could be a descriptive category in which the president could be placed. But for me as a professional, the questions have to do with, okay, even if you decide on that, how does that help you? Exactly. I would imagine that a professional is diagnosing somebody because they want to make some sort of behavioral changes. But I don't think that this person has asked anybody for any help. I think you've hit on a really good point. The whole idea of the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual is that it's going to lead to a specific way to treat or help somebody to change those characteristics. And I have to be honest with you, it stretches my imagination probably to the breaking point to imagine that President Trump has some kind of epiphany and wakes up one morning and calls a psychiatrist and says, you know what, I've been checking out this criteria in the DSM-5, and I think that's me, and I probably ought to get some help with that. That doesn't seem like a behavior that would be consistent with him. Yeah, I agree with you. So my next question is, so what if he meets these criteria? How does one deal most effectively with such people? Do you I have think any that's tips? the perfect question in these circumstances. I think what we have to accept is, whether you call him a narcissist or anything else, he is who he is. He gives every evidence to indicate that he's got a certain style, that he likes it, he finds it a winning and attractive style, it's worked for him, and he's not going to change it no matter what. So the idea is, okay, how do we cope with this kind of thing? 
And of course, you know, some people take a lighthearted approach to it. I saw, for example, a couple of weeks ago, a brief video. People can look it up on YouTube. It's called Trump-Induced Anxiety Disorder. Now, this talks about somebody, you know, who's having panic attacks and is more irritable, experience a lot of different characteristics that are associated with a person who feels a lot of stress because of the behavior of President Trump. In rare cases, people have developed a skin condition known as Cheeto Face. Tell your doctor right away if you have thoughts of comb-overs or experience a reduction in the size of your hands. Before you decrease or stop taking Impichara, make sure you have disabled instant news alerts on all of your mobile devices. Things got pretty dark there for a while, but thanks to Impichara, I've elected to be happy. Nice shot. Talk to your doctor to see if Impichara might be right for you. Go again. Also, do it fairly soon before you lose your health insurance. And it goes on in a lighthearted, tongue-in-cheek manner to suggest a specific fictional medication (laughs) that will help you block out that experience and Mm -hmm. pretend that he's not the president. But honestly, that goes against just about everything I believe. I think the important thing is that we have to realize that this is a difficult time for a lot of people. It's a difficult, complicated situation for the country, and sometimes that is difficult to cope with. What we don't want to happen is for the behavior, which people, or some people at least, tend to find outrageous, for that to become sort of normally and accepted as well, that's just the way it is. We'll have to learn to live with it. People need to remain vigilant. But they also need, I think in the long run, to put some personal effort into trying to bridge that gap between the two sides of the country that seems to be so split. I like the German word for it, gespaltet, which really refers to sort of like a breach between things. I'd like to suggest some things that people can try and keep in mind when they have to deal with people whose opinions are significantly different from theirs, no matter which side they're on, basically boils down to a sort of a conflict resolution. And these are points that are applicable to differences in marriage, differences in job situations, differences in politics, differences in religion or whatever. The first important thing is to try very diligently to assume an attitude on the part of the other person that they too have good intentions. It doesn't help to assume that this person wants something bad to happen. I'm assuming that most of the people in America love America dearly and they want what's best for America. They want for America to be great again. But the trouble with that definition, of course, is we don't really know what people mean when they say great. It's the perfect political refrain, make America great. Well, what does that mean to be great again? Does that mean we are great by letting people in need through our borders to get to safety? Or does it mean we're going to be great by keeping out people from foreign countries because they might harm us? Once you've been able to work up in your mind that you're going to assume that this person has good intentions, you have to try to understand where their intentions lead them. You have to be able to ask questions of them and try to understand how they got this set of beliefs and the set of convictions that carry over into the political arena. And it has to be a calm exchange. I know that the arguments can get very, very heated and can get very, very heated quickly. That's never a solution, no matter with whom the conflict is. And the last point is, you have to make an effort to clarify your situation in a calm, factual kind of manner. 
even if you don't agree with each other, you might have some respect for each other. And that would be my hope for America, to be honest with you. This sounds like it is very useful for any kind of conflict resolution. It is. is. How about any closing thoughts or words of wisdom for our listeners on perhaps something they can do immediately on their own to induce happy, healthy thoughts? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I think there are lots of things people can do. Okay. I think no matter what your stress level is or how frustrated you feel, how angry you sometimes feel, I think one of the finest things you can do is to listen to some of the people who are basically engaged in comedy. No matter how difficult some of the situations may appear to you, if you can find a way to laugh about it, you can take the edge off of that. Amen. I've heard many times that laughter is the best medicine. It truly helps you get through a lot of things. If you've lost your sense of humor, I'm very, very worried about your future, to be honest with you. I love to laugh, and I think that fact has been made known on this show. Dr. Bob, I thank you ever so kindly from the bottom of my heart for taking time to speak with me and our listeners, and I hope for the best for the future. I do too, and I thank you for the opportunity to share my perspective on things. And we wish you a wonderful day. Thank you. Thanks. My pleasure. Take care. that in the preceding interview, we made light of what many people have realistically complained about, the suffering from Trump-induced anxiety, thus the spoof highlighted about the impachera. On the serious side, I think we can agree that somehow people need a break. And guess what? Starting today, the 115th U.S. Congress goes on Easter recess. This means that the 100 U.S. Senators and the 435 House members will now be on break until April 21st. As Dr. Bob mentioned, that although we want to distance ourselves from self-absorbed beings and their myopic conduct, however, we should not normalize narcissistic behavior for, as was said, to do this is not healthy for self or for a democratic society. Therefore, the advice is be vigilant, for democracy is about being vigilant in making your voice heard by your political representatives so that they clearly know your wants and needs on your most important issues. Having said this, so many thought that given the current Republican president having the luxury of both majority-controlled Republican Senate and House, 
that achieving their focused goal of repealing Obamacare would have been a done deal, making it easy for them to have repealed it and make it go away. But in actuality, Trump's replacement plan, officially called World's Greatest Healthcare Plan of 2017, did not get passed because the citizens all across America made their thoughts clearly known to their representatives, giving back power to the people. The difference between a remarkable magic show like the Ehrlich Brothers and the so-called magic which got Mr. Trump elected is that rarely does one go back to see that exact same magic show day after day. For example, I've learned that the Ehrlich Brothers have two different shows scheduled in English for this autumn. The Fascination Show will be October 15th and the Magic Dream Show on October 20th, both performed at the Frankfurt Fraport Arena. about magic shows in general is that they give one a good feeling from having been amazed. Day by day, President Trump's so-called magic seems to be, in and of itself, disappearing. When he does things people detest, he now becomes unpopular. When he backs legislation without proven processes, the bills fail. When he chooses people without knowledge in political science or experience in administration, as one could argue are most of his aides, they march on forward without the political panache to actually get the job done. Undoubtedly germane is the art of getting those who you might not be in agreement to see your approach to the issue and to get them to agree. Some may say that Trump has not found a shortcut for the skillful use of political science and the effective application of American politics in government. In German, they say, nur die Zeit wird zeigen, meaning only time will tell where he and his administration are heading, and if his own inexperience and undisciplined approach to politics will actually bring him and his agenda forward or not. At least for the next few weeks, with the U.S. Congress on recess, we might get a break from the bombardment of Trump news. At least one could hope so. In closing, I thought it might prove entertaining 
to take a look at the actual word Trump and how it originated around the 15th century from Italian playing cards, where an extra suit of cards superseded all the other playing cards. This is why the lowest ranking card in a Trump designated suit can take the highest ranking card of the regular highest suit. Apropos, to trump something can refer to any sort of action or policy which automatically surpasses the others. I had been keeping this definition in mind when the other day I saw a poster which read, Love Trump's Hate. Love Trump's Hate. And while I was reading this, of course, it eventually brought to my face a hopeful smile. On behalf of the folks here at Radio Laura, we wish you an amazing day where love trumps hate and each child has got his own. And rich relations may give you a crust of bread and such. You can help yourself, but don't take too much. Mama may have And Papa may have But God bless the child Who can stand up and say I got my the hell.